It was a month ago, February 13th, that Kyle talked to us about being childlike, but not being childish. Today we're coming to 1 John 3, where John begins uh, this new thought with these words. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. John introduced where he is taking us in this third chapter, really with that verse and with the end of chapter 2. Chapter 2 ended with, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right is born of him. So we will truly need to become childlike in order to accept the challenge of becoming Christ-like through being that uh, childlike. It's a trusting thing. It's a matter of our uh, taking on, uh, again, uh, some of those features of, of being a youngster. So let's begin by asking ourselves, how do I see myself? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as having life figured out? Or do you see yourself as still finding my way? Do you see yourself as needing to appear self-assured? Or are you comfortable needing to rely on another power, a higher power? Uh, you must ask yourself, I must ask myself, can I be happy being childlike? Or would that be beneath me? I found this uh, bit of information about Sean Connery. You all know Sean Connery, 007. Many men would love to lead the life of Sean Connery. He was tall and handsome and dashing. Connery played the glamorous part of 007 in six James Bond movies. Connery travels the world to shoot movies in places as exotic as Equatorial Africa or the Orient. And in addition to acting, Connery works as the executive producer of films. It's a position of considerable power. Yet when he was asked in an interview why, at age 62, he continues to act, Connery gave a surprising reply. Quote, because I get the opportunity to be somebody better and more interesting than I am. Many people feel like Connery. Their lives aren't all that they could be. They aren't as good as they should be. Something is missing that even glamorous acting roles cannot fulfill. And we're going to see today in 1 John 3 that only Christ makes a person's life what it can be or should be or must be. So let's move into 
this uh, information uh, that John builds on what he's already been telling us uh, in the first uh, two chapters. Can you see any Christ-likeness, any humility in Sean Connery? Or can you see any parallels in what it takes for an adult to see Christ-likeness demanding childlikeness? Why is it that chapter 2 ends with uh, little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink uh, from him in shame at his coming? Number one, first of all, being God's child is not only fact to be believed, it also has purpose and it has power to it. That may be why there are these reminders that we have. I'm first looking at uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 14 to 17, in which Paul says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children... Then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Or there is Galatians. Galatians 3 says, for in Christ Jesus, we we all know these two verses. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Or down in 4 of Galatians, verse 6, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So through God you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Or 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Does that bring you back into 1 John, the first chapter? Um, yeah, 1 John, the first chapter, uh, and how it is that all of this matter uh, of fellowship uh, develops. Uh, uh, and and uh, com- comes about, grows. Uh, and so here we are seeing that the, the sense of and what it means to, to be children of God is, is not just okay, uh, but rather it is, what does that mean? How in the world uh, does that affect uh, what I am, what I do, what I become? So what about the purpose uh, and, and the power? Let's, let's look at, uh, uh, first of all, this uh, first section in 1 John 3. Uh, <clears throat> we've already read, See what love the Father has given us, 
that we should be called children of God, and so we are. But the next words are the reason. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he, Jesus, is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who does right is righteous as he is righteous. He who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God commits sin, for God's nature abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this it may be seen who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not do right is not of God, nor he who does not love his brother. I'm going to uh, come to uh, follow that through, but I must have, it's that season, isn't it? <clears throat> I need a tissue or two up here. So, so let's follow through with, with this sense of what's coming about in 1 John 3. We are to be always, as, as we move through life, moving. We're, we're not to be stagnant. We're not to be uh, just uh, stationary. We're, we're being changed, or we are changing degree by degree. You know, by increment by increment, a little bit at a time sometimes. But what we're being changed into is we're being changed into the likeness of Jesus. Notice verses 2 and 3. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as Jesus or as he uh, is pure. But, but what's that talking about? Uh, somewhere along the line, I don't remember if it goes all the way back to um, study days uh, before I started full-time work or whether it's come in study that I've done since, but uh, going through just this paragraph of uh, no one who uh, uh, no one who abides in him sins, that, that I, I learned somewhere along the line that uh, the word 
sins uh, has the idea of uh, it, he, he, he doesn't continue to sin. He, he doesn't keep on sinning. He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't stay uh, in, in that state or in, in, that, uh, in that place of, uh, of sin. Uh, as I've uh, continued to work with that, though, I still struggled because the first chapter says, if we say we have no sin, we lie. And that's talking about us, Christians, people who are, are walking in faith, seeking to be what God wants us to be. And, and, and so I've been wrestling with this sense and ask you to, to work with me a little bit on it and see if maybe what this paragraph is saying is that even though we are children of God, we also are still fallible human beings. We are two people, not just one. I, I draw on that because of what Romans 7 says, what Paul says about himself. Paul says, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. So then it is no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Apostle Paul, now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I that do it, but sin which dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind making me captive to the law of sin which dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, who is my Lord. So then I of myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Is that maybe fitting in with what Paul is saying here? Let's read it again. Let's look at 1 John 3. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Am I, by observing, by being conscious of what it is I am doing or saying or thinking, 
revealing something of who I'm allowing to be Lord? Am I sometimes that being, that human, that that one still fleshly living that is allowing Satan to rule? On the other hand, little children, let no one deceive you. He who does right is righteous as he is righteous. Am I when I'm overcoming by the power of God? Am I somehow seeing that that spiritual being is coming to the front? That I'm really letting Jesus be Lord in my life? Is it a matter of verse 8? He who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God commits sin, for God's nature abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Is there some real purpose? Is there some real power in what it is to understand that this struggle is a worthwhile struggle because it's leading me to, well, Jesus called it a more abundant life, something better in life, something that makes my life more useful. And so uh, the the sense of the, the concept of of does not keep on sinning, maybe it is not so much a matter of how much or duration, because we do all sin, but rather it's a matter of I'm I'm really I'm really able to distinguish because of what God's will says. I can distinguish and, and Am I being ruled by Satan, by the devil, or am I being ruled by the Lord Jesus? So when I or you sin, we are not doing that because God is living in us. And when we do right, we are not doing that through the power of Satan. Hear it again, just just quickly. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him, Jesus. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who does right is righteous as he is righteous. But he who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God commits sin for God's nature abides in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. By this it may be seen who are the children of God and maybe it's just as right to understand this in saying 
By this it is seen uh, when we are being the children of God and who are or when we are being the children of the devil. Whoever does not do right is not of God, nor he who does not love his brother. Well, look where it takes us. Look where John John goes in verses 11 uh, through 18. And, And as we do, let's notice that Cain, Cain and Abel, Cain is a perfect example of how the heart feeds our actions and our actions progress or our actions deteriorate in ways that affect our hearts. Here's what John says. This is the, pa- the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another and not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not wonder, brethren, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brethren. Can I read that again? We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in deed and in truth. And so let's keep looking at that. I don't mean now. I mean, let's keep coming back to a consideration of what is it that made Cain do what Cain did? And when we find ourselves doing those things that are of Satan, of the devil, let's look at ourselves and ask, what is it that makes me do what Cain did? We'll keep on looking and we'll keep it this section about Cain and Abel in its context, in, in its place in the book of First John or in the letter that John wrote that we call First John. Let, let's, let's wrestle with that. Well, we're going to make this come alive yet, but is really that enough to digest for today? We're going to start next time, next month. We're going to start with 1 John 3.19. And we're going to go into chapter 4. But before we do that, let's uh, further anchor what we've seen uh, in this section of 1 John 3. Back to another movie analogy. 
the relationship between a movie actor and a director can make or break a movie. A USA Today film critic writes, quote, in some director's hands, an actor remains a lump of coal. In others, that same performer will metamorphose into a shining diamond on screen. This critic says, Catherine Hepburn, Hepburn did her greatest films with director George, can you pronounce it for me? C-U-K-O-R, Kukor? When Hepburn matched up with a different director, Stuart Miller, M-I-L-L-A-R, her movies suffered. John Wayne did 15 memorable movies with director John Ford, but the luster left when he worked with John Huston. Cary Grant was at his best with director Howard Hawks, but couldn't bear to watch his own performances in Arsenic and Old Lace, which he did with director Frank Capra. Now, all of us probably know, or most of us know, Frank Capra, Frank Capra was not a slouch of a director. He just couldn't direct Cary Grant. What is the key to a consistently winning pair? Richard Brown, who's professor of cinema studies at New York's New School for Social Research, says it's really only one thing, trust. A director must trust that an actor has the character inside him or her and that it is within an actor's range. So the actor has learned who it is they are portraying. An actor must trust a director with his performance, his work, and his image on screen. And so not only must the director be able to know the actor, kind of like Jesus knows us, God knows us, but the actor must also learn to trust the director with his work and his performance and his image. Are we a... Are we a representative of, are we being directed by Satan or Jesus? Trust is also at the heart of our relationship with the divine director, Jesus Christ. Christ has absolute confidence that by his spirit, he can make us into something glorious. The only question is, do we trust him? to bring out what is best in us. If so, we will stop being humanistic. Do you understand what I'm saying? That song we sing, all of self and none of thee, 
that ends up with all of thee and none of self is wrapped up in whether we are still trusting our human nature, our our being in control, or do we depend more and more and more on our Father and His Son and His Spirit? Because when we do that, we are becoming childlike in order to become Christ-like. Let's stand and sing.